ask your Bibles if you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. So we are coming close to the end. And it has been a... Um, I've just learned so much. It's been a, a real joy going through this letter that Peter wrote. Um, I asked Paul to read that passage in chapter 1 um, that talks about how Christ is our living hope, um, how that hope that, uh, that comes through him is, uh, is a hope that we have of heaven, that one day we will be united with him for all of eternity, uh, that we will be able to, uh, uh, to be a, a witness and a testimony throughout the rest of eternity testifying to his great love and mercy and power that has been active in our lives. And that is a marvelous hope. It is a living hope. It is secured for us in heaven. But that living hope that he has for us is not just that hope that we have of one day being in heaven, but it's also a hope that we have for today. That he is alive. The, the king is in this room. And he is leading and guiding us every step of the way. That every moment of our lives, our shepherd is there guiding us, showing us the path that he wants us to take. And that's why it's called this living hope, because it's alive, it's active, it is present in all circumstances. And as we've looked at this letter, we've recognized that, that specifically Peter has written this to a group of people who are going through difficult times, that are experiencing suffering because of their faith in Jesus Christ, because their trust in him is putting them at odds with the world that's around them. And they're feeling pushback, sometimes very severe pushback. And what we've learned, what we've taken from that, uh, as Peter has gone through this reassurance to these people who are experiencing that suffering and saying, you have a living hope. The Savior of your life is present with you, working with you, guiding you through all of those difficulties and using you to be a light in this world. And that our hope is in Jesus Christ. And what I have been have found that is just so encouraging that for us, as we in our world are seeing more and more chaos, more and more uncertainty, more and more attacks, the things that, that for us who are followers of Christ, the things that we have, have read and we know to be true are more and more in this world being called false. And the things that we read here that are, that are described as false, as lies, more and more in our world are being held up as truth, as virtues. 
And, and as we are entering into this changing society, as we are going through these, these uh, 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 shifts in our world, in our culture, Peter's message, Peter's letter, comes and hits home right to us, right where we're at, and reminds us that in the midst of all of the flurry, the turmoil, and the chaos, we have a living hope. It was Jesus Christ who was with us, leading and guiding us. And, and in him, we can find security. Peter goes on in, 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 this, in this, as he's wrapping up this letter, he continues this, uh, this idea of, of how we are able to stand firm in faith in changing times. Let's start reading here from uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore. You know what? We're going to take a little bit more of a run at it because No, we're not going to take a little bit more run on it. What we're going to do is we're going to take it. Sure, let's take it from six. I'm sorry. I'll get this right. Verse six. This is what we were talking about last week. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Therefore. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Have you ever been hit by a wave? Out in the ocean as you've been swimming and enjoying the beach and all that kind of stuff, have you ever been knocked down by the wave? I was watching here recently that movie Castaway. Uh, you remember the first time that he tried to get off of the island in his little raft that had already burst a hole and was small, and he was trying to paddle out, and he got out there, and the waves were getting higher and higher, and then the big one hit as he was coming close to the coral reef, and he just gets pummeled by that wave, and he gets tossed over, and it's like he doesn't know where he is, and crashed into the bottom, and then just as he gets up and gets a breath, boom, another wave comes and hits him. 
in some way, that's, that's how I've been feeling the last little while. It's like you get hit with a wave that's, that's, that's blindsided you, that came out of nowhere. And just as you, as you kind of get your bearings, boom, another one comes at you from a different direction. And, and you're getting tossed around. Peter is, is speaking to people's lives who are experiencing that kind of pummeling. They are getting lambasted from all sides, dealing with, with attacks and, and, and persecutions and sorrows and griefs. And his message to them is, be clear-minded. We've seen that a number of times in his letter. He comes back uh, to, that, uh, to that message of being sober-minded, meaning clear-headed. Don't lose your focus. As you're getting tossed around in the waves, remember where your focus is. Remember where your hope is. Don't get distracted by all of the, the things that are crashing around on you, the, the surprises, the uncertainties, the attacks that are coming at you. Remain single-minded in all that you do. He also challenges us to be watchful, to be alert. We know that Satan is scheming. We're not surprised by the attacks that he throws at us. But Peter is encouraging us to be alert and watchful, to be prepared for those attacks that will be coming your way. And we need to be wary of his attempts to devour us. Now, I, I've often used this passage to talk about how we need to guard ourselves against um, uh, uh, temptation and sin, that we need to be wary of Satan, our adversary who prowls around like a, a lion looking for someone to devour, someone that he can catch up in temptation and in sin. And, and that certainly is an accurate reading of, of this, and, and certainly there's lots of other places in Scripture that talk about us being wary of those temptations that would come at us. Is that my phone? No, it's not. Okay. But as we look at the context of this particular passage, I think there's something specifically in mind that Peter has for us uh, that, he is, that he is writing about. Is he wants us to be watchful and alert against the attacks that Satan would, would, would throw at us that would put us in a place of disbelief, of losing our faith and trust in our God and our Savior. It fits the context because he follows that up with saying, be alert, stand firm in your faith. And we know that that happens. When you feel those attacks that are coming at you when, you, when you're getting pummeled by those waves, it's very easy to get caught up in thinking, God, why have you abandoned me? I've been crying out to you, and yet you're silent. It is easy for us to get into that place of saying, God's not there. I need to, 
I need to look out for myself. I need to put my own safety nets in place. I need to put my structures in my life that will guard me from all of these attacks. And, and, and it's, it's easy to lose our focus on what is right and what is true and where our true hope lies. And Satan's attacks, his, his attempts to try and devour us are, are attempts to devour and, and destroy and erode our faith, our trust in Christ. Peter's words to us are, be sober-minded, clear-headed, be alert, resist him, and stand firm in your faith. Remind yourselves again and again of where your hope is. Don't lose focus by trying to create your own safety structures, your own protections and guards, but instead look to the one who is more than able to care for you. Cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. Satan loves to use that lie. God doesn't care about you. God's forgotten about you. God's so, so busy. Look at all of the mess that this world is in. He's busy looking after Russia and, and, and Ukraine. How, how would he have the time to deal with your little problems? So we start focusing on trying to, uh, to build our own wall, our own defenses, rather than looking to him. Peter's words, resist that. Resist that eroding. Instead, stand firm in your faith. This week, I, I had an opportunity to uh, come across my, my email, um, uh, an article that was talking about, uh, what is it? It's been like uh, uh, eight years that, uh, that we heard about that horrendous uh, kidnapping of, of all of those um, uh, schoolgirls in Nigeria by Boko Haram. Um, we were moved uh, by, the, by their plight of being completely uh, powerless to stand up against these militant uh, groups that, that pulled them away and, and those that were um, those that were uh, uh, able to, or, or that, that, that were encouraged or, or maybe forced to convert, and then forced into marriage with those. Others that, that remained firm in their faith and refused to, to recant their trust in Jesus Christ were then put into slave labor. They were uh, uh, beaten and, and taken advantage of to try and break who they were and their faith in Christ in order to, to destroy their faith. Uh, there's a, a couple of gentlemen who, who have been following up with uh, meeting with those. There's been what? Um, 163 of those, of those young ladies have either escaped or been released. And they talked with many of them. There still are over 100 that are still unaccounted for. And, and they, they guessed that probably about 13, maybe more, that they have evidence of, of, of actually lost their lives 
through all of this. But these two gentlemen have had opportunity of talking and interviewing a number of the uh, survivors, those that were able to escape or those that have been released in some way. And, and, and their intent was to try and understand how these young girls were able to, uh, to resist those attempts at trying to, to, to rob them of their faith, to, to steal away their trust in Christ. And, and they, were, they wrote this. They said, at, at the risk of beatings and torture, these girls whispered prayers together at night or, or whispered prayers into the cups of water. They memorized the book of Job from a Bible that, that had been smuggled into their, into their camp. Into secret diaries, they transcri- transcribed paraphrases of psalms in loopy teenage handwriters, handwriting, saying, Oh my God, I keep calling by day and you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. We saw clearly, these two authors saw clearly how the teenagers' will to survive was inseparable from their religious convictions. Their faith provided twin anchors of identity and hope during a period when their captors were trying to erase both. It became the language of their resistance. An amazing testimony of these young women who were being uh, had everything thrown at them to try and, and destroy their faith, and yet they were able to hold fast. How? By resisting. By, by engaging in those activities that help us keep clear-minded, that help us to, to remember where our living hope is found. They did it through prayer. There is, there is nothing more central to our lives with Christ than to talk with him, to listen for his voice in our lives, to be engaged in prayer. And again, not just asking for things, but, but sharing with him, pouring out our hearts for the heartache that we're feeling, sharing with him the, the struggles and the doubts that we have, being intentional about about talking about the questions that we have about our faith, but also in that listening, listening for his voice to speak. And he speaks. It is his nature to reveal himself. That that is who God is. Jesus said that, that, that I no longer call you servants, but my but my friends, because a servant isn't privy to what his master is doing, his plans and his purposes. But I have shared all that God has for you. It is God's nature to reveal his plans and his purposes, his goals, his, his guidance to us. Jesus said, that I'm the good shepherd. I, I speak and my sheep hear my voice and follow me. It is God's nature to speak to us. And so in prayer, we listen for his voice. We focus our attention on 
on hearing what he has to say to us. These girls also engaged in uh, reading the Bible and knowing the Bible, memorizing Scripture, meditating on, on the Word of God, allowing themselves to be immersed in the very words that God would speak. So, first of all, they, they become familiar with His voice. They're able to recognize when He speaks to them in multitudes of other ways because every way that God will speak is always going to measure up with what He's revealed here. But they also came to these scriptures anticipating, expecting to hear the voice of God as they read these words. That it wasn't just uh, uh, an intellectual exercise of, of reading and knowing and wrestling with the words that are here, but it was, it was, it was an effort in relationship and knowing that God would speak through his word and anticipating, expecting him to reveal himself. They also were engaging in worship, in praising God, in encouraging, shoring up one another, helping to, to speak out the praises of God to help each other remember to keep that focus on all that God has done, on, on knowing him as the almighty creator, knowing him as the good shepherd, knowing him as the crucified Savior, knowing him as the reigning king. Engaging in worship helps keep our focus on who he is and, 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 and making it active, not just doing that on a Sunday morning, but as you're going through your life and, and you experience his blessings, you see his hand at work in your life, to be able to take the time to speak that out and say, Lord, thank you for that good gift that you pour out into my life. Thank you for who you are. Then they also depended on fellowship, on connecting with one another. We were built for relationship. Each one of us is finite in our ability to be able to experience God. There are limits to how we can know him. But as we connect with one another, as we invest in relationship with one another, your experience of God broadens my experience. And when we come together and share the different stories, the different ways that God has revealed himself to us, each one of us gets a bigger picture of who God is, a more complete picture. And in that sharing, we're able to hold each other up because we all go through those dark moments of the soul. And we need somebody that can be beside us to hold us up, to bear that burden along with us, to encourage. We are, we are part of the body of Christ and we need one another. And so we need to invest in fellowship with one another. We need to, to carve out that time to be connected with one another, to, to listen, to encourage, to share vulnerability with one another. And through that, we hear the voice of God. These girls engaged in prayer. They, uh, they spent time reading the Word 
they, they were active in worship. They connected and supported one another in fellowship. And then they also served one another. There is no... There's nothing that we can do that brings us in contact with a God who is on a mission, who is actively trying to change lives than when we join him in that mission. When we find ways to be a conduit of his life, of his love in the life of somebody else, especially those who are in need. When we take the time to sacrifice our own needs, to put aside our own agendas, and actively look for ways that we can bless other people. That's where we will encounter our loving Savior, our Good Shepherd, because He is already there extending His love into their lives. So how do we resist that roaring lion who's looking to devour our faith, who is looking to erode our trust in God? Through prayer, through the Bible, through worship, through fellowship, and through serving. That's what helps keep us clear-minded. That's what focuses our attention on the true hope of our salvation. And as we resist through that suffering, as we stand against that confusion and chaos, God Himself, the God of all grace, will restore. He will confirm. He will strengthen. And he will establish you. See, it isn't that we have to confirm, restore, establish, strengthen ourselves in order for us to then connect with God. He's the one that does it in us. That's why we need to keep our focus on Him. That's why we need to have our hearts and our ears and our minds tuned into hearing His voice because He will accomplish that in us. And, and those five activities that we participate in are, are not a means of us earning the favor of God so that then He will follow through. Instead, those five activities are what help us Focus on Him so that we can hear what He has to say. So we can hear His leading and guiding. And our hearts are prepared so that we can be quick to follow wherever it is that He leads. This is that living hope that is held for us in heaven, yes, but also is active and present in our day-to-day -day lives. He is with us. He is establishing us. 
He is strengthening us to be his ambassadors. He is, he is confirming in us his truth. He is restoring in us his love. He is the God who has dominion over all things. That in the midst of, of this world where everything seems to be not so bizarro, he has a plan. He has authority. He is at work. And there is none, no one, nothing that can stand against him accomplishing his plans and his purpose. And that's why, even though he hasn't come quite to the end, he still has a few more things to say. Peter, just out of, out of a spontaneous adoration and praise of our God, cries out, to him be dominion, now and forevermore. Amen. Father, we thank you that you are the almighty creator. That you are the one who holds us in your hand. You are the one who has a plan and a purpose for us. Thank you that you are the one that confirms us. You are the one who restores us. You are the one who establishes us. You are the ones that helps us to stand firm in our faith. Lord, this morning we want to confess. Confess those times when we have allowed Satan to erode our faith, when we have given him the opportunity to, uh, to undermine our faith and our trust in you. Lord, we want to confess that time when we thought that we needed to depend on ourselves for protection to create our own strategy of resistance instead of remaining clear-minded and trusting fully in your living hope. Oh, we know that you are true. We know that your message of hope, your grace is available to all who come to us. We know that there is nothing that can stand against you. And with, with Peter, we cry out, our hearts exalt you and say, dominion and power and glory and honor and praise belong to you alone. And we will lift up our voices today and in this week we will declare to a, a world in chaos that you are the great God. That there is none like you. And we worship and praise you here this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.